We in the killing Nazi business. And cousins, business is a booming. Their name. The Germans call them the bastards. Their target. Killing Hitler. But a mission like this. Punch those goons out and burst in their blasting. Never goes according to plan. Yeah, I just thinking that. From director Quentin Tarantino. Brad Pitt. Yes, 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 yes. Glorious bastards. <laughs> the listeners of this podcast want a new episode. Couch Brotatoes. Oblige them. Inglorious Bastards coming up next. <coughs> All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm just over here drinking some uh, alcohol and uh, enjoying your company. All right, that's that's what people like to hear. Uh, getting us get a little sauced up. I'm actually just drinking water tonight. It's been a long day. Boo. Uh, hey, can't be sauced up all the time. I'm pretty sure that people think I sound drunk, anyways, when I'm talking. <laughs> um, the uh, episode we're doing tonight is actually the uh, loser of one of our uh, fan polls but it was like extremely close to winning it was uh, my choice when we did uh the office space the uh poll question that office space won uh mm-hmm. we're doing inglorious bastards tonight which i'm very very excited about oh yeah you love this movie I, I, I believe that you uh talk about this movie quite a bit i do i quote it often um i actually watching it last night i really like I I put Pulp Fiction like at the top of the Tarantino list of like his best movies, and even after watching Bastards quite a few times, I thought the same thing. But when I watched it last night, I was paying more attention to like the dialogue and the like the script versus just like everything that's going on. I don't know, man. Like it's really neck and neck between these this one and Pulp Fiction on like the best Tarantino movie. Yeah, it, I, and I agree with you there. It's it's a tough choice between the two, really. Um, I, I, I still like Pulp Fiction a little bit better. Yeah, like, if I'm going to uh, judge them, I would say it's uh, Pulp Fiction, but I don't know if you'll get this reference because I don't know if you've seen Goodfellas, but they, uh, they talk about cutting uh, garlic with a razor blade, and they cut it super thin. That's mm-hmm. the margin between Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. Is well, that I, I have seen Goodfellas. Okay, good. Because I know there's certain movies that you haven't seen that I'm shocked <laughs> that you haven't. Which well, uh, Good Goodfellas is like your favorite gangster movie, I believe. Yeah, you? it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that's going to be an episode this year. All right, I'll all be right. there. All right, get your fucking shine box <laughs> and tune in later this year for Goodfellas. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like this is kind of like a little bit of what Tarantino does best. He seems to have been recently doing where he kind of takes real life events and puts a, his fantasy spin on them. Like Mm -hmm. obviously Adolf Hitler did get killed inside of a movie theater, killed himself. But I think everybody had that dream that if they could go back in time, that'd probably be one of the things that they could do. A uh, combination of Back to the Future 2, stealing some almanac to become super rich, and then yeah. that would probably be at least in the top five, I would think. I, yeah, I think a lot of people would go back and kill Adolf Hitler. Yeah, I, I mean, I would. It would be in my top five. He was a giant pile of dog shit. He so. was. 
Well, we're not going to get into a history lesson tonight. We're just going to talk about a awesome, awesome movie. Sounds good to me. All right. Um, no, I really love history. Love well, history. maybe one of these days we'll do uh, a history documentary, and we'll just put everybody to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure we do that already. So I, I'm asleep right now. Oh, are you? I am. Wake up. <laughs> well, it's your over there boozing. That's true. I am. All right. It's uh, delicious. Well, real quick, uh, the plot of uh, Inglorious Bastards is uh, during World War II, a group of Jewish soldiers and a French cinema owner hatch separate attempts to assassinate Adolf Hitler. So it's, you got these two plans going at the same time. Neither neither group knows the other one's trying to do this. They're trying to kill Adolf Hitler. Now, I did have one question for you, and I don't know if you know the answer to this. Is is Aldo, um, is he Jewish? I don't know if they ever say. They don't really say, but I am under the assumption that since he takes joy in killing Nazis that he is. Not just, just killing them, scalping them. Yeah. Uh, he, and like the fact that he forms a team to just to exterminate the Nazis, I think that he is. Yeah. That's a good no, question. I'm, I don't know it for sure. I never... I should have done some little research on it, but yeah, I think that he is. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, I should have, I'm a part of the show. I probably should have done my own fucking research too. Yeah. You could have helped out a little bit. I know. I'm a Royal <laughs> pilot dog shit. Let me drink to that. But you know what though? The people love you. I, I hope so. Um, well, uh, we'll get into the tail of the tape real quick. Um, Bastards was released on August the 21st, 2009. It was, of course, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, this stars Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, Melanie Laurent, Diane Kruger, Eli Roth, Michael Fassbender, Daniel Brühl, and Till Schweiger. Um, this is one of Tarantino's biggest hits. It did $321 million worldwide at the box office, so pretty big. Um Rotten Tomatoes score eighty nine percent from critics and eighty eight from audiences. Hmm. Um, nominated for eight Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and Christoph Waltz won for Best Supporting Actor. Very nice and well deserved. Uh, I was a little shocked to see that we got an email from Rodrigo in Brazil. So thank you for writing in to us. Uh, he wanted to know why we don't. Uh, tell the folks what streaming services you can find these movies on. So, going forward, uh, the last bit of the tail of the tape is where you can stream this movie at. And right now, unfortunately, Inglorious Bastards is not available on any streaming site. Well, that's that is unfortunate. Yeah, I figured it would have been on Peacock since I think Universal released it. Huh. But no. I was trying. I was trying to see if um, if it's anywhere in in Brazil. Um, I don't know how old this article is, but it says it's available on Brazilian Netflix. Okay. Uh, well, this is from 2019, so I'm not sure if it's still there or not. Um, but there's a chance that it might be on Netflix in Brazil. Okay. Um, there is an app that you guys can uh, check out. Uh, it's called Just Watch. Um, you can type in any movie, 
and it'll tell you where it's streaming at, and it also gives you like where you can buy it or rent it. So that's a pretty cool feature. I use it all the time when uh, I'm trying to figure out what movie we're going to do. I can look it up, see if it's streaming somewhere. And plus, I keep an eye. I'm trying to buy Commando. I want that movie, and I don't want to pay $15 for it. So I'm waiting to see it drop to like six bucks, and I'm just going to pull the trigger on it. You cheap ass. Yeah. Well, I don't get paid for this. I do this for free, so I got to cut costs where I can. Oh, oh, you don't get paid for this? No. Huh. The the, the way you sound. Paid for this either. I was gonna say the way you were talking. Like, yeah, you're getting something out of this. Yeah, your friendship. Oh. (laughs) Well, Lucas, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that doesn't pay a whole lot. Doesn't pay the bills. Fills my heart up. Fills my heart up. All right. Well, enough of the verbal BJs tonight. (laughs) That's going to be a shirt at some point. I hope so. Um, I figured we would jump right into research corner because I was doing some research on this and like, there's a shit ton of facts about this movie. Like IMDB had, like I had to scroll and scroll and scroll. There's all kinds of tidbits and there's some stuff that they even left out that I found on uh, Google. So uh, Hmm. tons of stuff. So we're just going to, dig right into that um apparently quentin tarantino considered uh, abandoning this film altogether because he wrote the role of hans landa and he didn't think anybody could play it yeah and then here he comes here comes christoph waltz and wins an academy award for it yeah after he auditioned i guess uh, him and then the producer lawrence bender knew that they had their guy um before we get into the show, like, I kind of want to touch on Christoph Waltz a little bit because uh, he really wasn't a known commodity in the United States prior to this. I had never heard of him, and I consider myself a little bit of a movie nerd, but I have never heard of him up until this movie. Was was he in this before he was in the Bond movie? Yeah, Spectre. Yeah, that was much, much later. Okay. I just remember him being in the Bond movie. Uh, Spectre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, disappointing one to say the least. Yeah, that was a bummer. I remember we went to the theater and we were in like the front row. We had like, you know, our necks were hurting and we were watching that shit movie. It's not shit. I don't think it's shit. It was just super disappointing considering who was in it and the plot. And like, it all has Christoph Waltz as the villain. Um, I have noticed though that it seems like Christoph Waltz is really good when he's in a uh, Tarantino movie because he seems to kind of mm-hmm. ham it up and he really chews the dialogue. But you put him in anything else and it's like that one note he plays in the Tarantino movies that works so well doesn't really work in anything else. Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, it could be one of those, uh, one of those things where, you know, it's like Johnny Depp working with... Um, Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. The Tim Burton he always worked with? Yeah. You know, it could be one of those things where they're just better together, you know? Yeah. Well, Johnny Depp's not working anywhere right now, but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it seems like uh, just Waltz... Like, I love him in Django and this, but it seems like that shtick really only works in Tarantino flicks. I just kind of noticed that when I was watching it over the last couple nights. Because I can't really yeah. think of anything else that, like, he's good in besides this and Django. I don't even know what else he's in. Uh, he was in Spectre. He was in something called Water for Elephants. Uh, I think he was in Horrible Bosses too. 
Was he? Yeah, he was in Horrible Bosses, too. He was the villain, him and Chris Pine. Huh. I don't remember that. Well, I mean, it was... Yeah, it was just, it was just an okay movie. It was okay. It's aight. Yeah, it's aight. Um, the uh, German propaganda film that's featured in this, Nation's Pride, was directed by Eli Roth, who plays uh, the bear Jew, Donnie uh, Donowitz. Yeah, I saw that when I was doing my research. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, did you know that uh, Simon Pegg was supposed to play uh, Archie Hickox, who was subsequently played by uh, Michael Fassbender, but he had to uh, withdraw due to scheduling conflicts with The Adventures of Tintin, the Spielberg animated movie? Uh, you know, I've never seen Adventures of Tintin, but I feel like he really missed out on you know, a really a better role. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's like, do you work with Tarantino or do you work with Steven Spielberg? Yeah, that's, that's a fair yeah. point. I mean, I, he, he made the choice that he thought was better for him, obviously. And Michael Fassbender in this movie, since he's, he was, he's from Germany. So, you know, he could speak German anyway. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was a good, it was a great role for him. Plus he had that British accent down. Well, Here's the thing. I was reading about this. I don't have this in my notes, but it's uh, that you mentioned that. Michael Fassbender was born in Germany, mm-hmm. and then he moved to Ireland when he was young. <laughs> so he's technically Irish, but he was born in Germany. But he is a German who lives or that was raised in England. But then in this movie, he's an Englishman pretending to be a German. That's that's wild. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I got that right. I don't know. That's a mind fuck right there. Mm -hmm. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was the first choice to play Hans Landa. I, as much as I love Leo, I mean, you know, huge Leo fan, but I don't Mm -hmm. know if he could have pulled that off. Not like Christoph Waltz did. Right. Um, Now, this last one that I have, I thought was actually really, really cool, and I think this would have worked. Um Adam Sandler was uh, approached by Tarantino to play the Bear Jew, but he couldn't because of uh, Funny People. He was doing that movie at the time. Um, I don't know. I would have believed that. I like Adam. I like dramatic Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Now I don't like recent comedic Adam Sandler because I think his recent movies suck. But dramatic Adam Sandler, I think he's awesome at it. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. I mean. I could see him being in this movie. Uh, you know, like I honestly, I didn't hate Hubie Halloween. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's a hollow. It's a Halloween movie. It came on Netflix last year. I just watched it. He plays like the, uh, I guess the Halloween historian in like the town he's uh he lives in. It's kind of haunted. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I maybe, mean, it, maybe I'll check it out just on on your recommendation. Well, I mean, it, it's a good time killer. I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to give it any awards or anything, but... Well, if there's anything I've got, my friend, it's time. <laughs> Touche. Do you have anything you want to add to this category? Absolutely. Um, Tarantino originally wanted to call the movie Once Upon a Time in Occupied France. Or wasn't it um, Nazi-occupied France? I don't know. It says... that My notes just say Once Upon a, Once Upon a Time in Occupied France. Well, see, I remember reading that 
they wanted to call it once upon a time a Nazi occupied France. And then they end up changing it to put that as like chapter one of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You're right. I see that now. So maybe I don't want to add anything to this cause I'm sucking on so far. I'm over one. Um, I thought this one was kind of weird. Tarantino uh, reportedly listened to uh, Jason Mraz. I'm yours on repeat to help him calm down during the writing process. Really? Yeah. I thought that was kind of an interesting tidbit. That's a little interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm not a big Jason Mraz fan. Like that song's all right. He's a great singer, but that's kind of a interesting way to calm yourself down. Well, I mean, you know, like I, I don't listen to anything to calm myself down, but I think that if I needed to, I think Jason Mraz would be the last person I would. <laughs> well, you and I, we calm down with like ghost and, uh, Gojira and stuff. So yeah, let's, let's just give me some metal, but just tone it down a little bit. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, the, I don't know if you know this or not, but in Germany, any kind of Nazi symbols at all are banned. Mm -hmm. Like you can't have any kind of Nazi symbol or you go to prison. So they had to, uh, remove all of that stuff for the German version of the film. Really? To be be able to be released. Yeah. Hmm. I believe that's all I got, my friend. Okay. Um, if you want to know more, there's like a ton of stuff on, uh, the internet. Um, I did see one that I thought was kind of cool. I texted you earlier and it was just a rumor, but apparently, uh, Sylvester Stallone was cast in this originally to play Aldo Rain and Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to play, uh, Hugo Stiglitz. Yeah. So I think Bruce Willis was supposed to be a part of this too. At one point, it's wild. I thought that. I mean, just imagine how much different this movie would have been. That would have been a ton different. Like it would have been like the Expendables in World War Two. You know, I I think I would have been okay with that too. (laughs) I mean, this movie is violent as shit anyway. They're they're scalping people and they're like showing Mm. it as they're doing it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I forgot. Kind of Tarantino thing. I forgot about that. I was watching it last night and my two kids were up still. (laughs) (laughs) And my uh, my son just like seen like the the scene in the beginning where he's like scalping that guy. He just goes, ew. Yeah. That's all he did. And he just like started watching it. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I was like, fuck, I'm scarring my kid. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, now we're going to segue into the. I drink your milkshake award for the best scene of the movie. Um, I think we should probably have like maybe put like the actual audio clip in these awards going forward. Just, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool. Until we get sued. Yeah. Until we get sued. But you know what though? Honestly, like what are they going to sue me for? My podcasting equipment. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll find something. I'll just transfer everything into my wife's name. It'll be all good. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, I I have five nominees. Uh, feel free to add. You know, you know, you know the routine. You know, the I stick. know the drill. Okay. Um, first one is the introduction of Hans Landa, where he goes to the La Padite, uh dairy farm, and that's when he's basically interrogating the La Petite. And I, what I thought was really good about this scene is like you just. Hans comes out and he's a extremely charismatic and charming and almost is like 
almost kind of comes across as like he's not a bad guy. He's just kind of doing what, you know, he has a job he has to do. I'm not defending, right. like, what he's doing, but, like, it's kind of how he comes across at the beginning. And then he just goes, like, he just flips a light switch, and then, like, he just becomes, like, cold and just dangerous-sounding when he basically, like, tells him, like, hey, I know you've got people hiding under your house. Right, So you just yeah. tell me, and I won't – nothing will happen to you. I just – that scene, like, Walt's just bringing it. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. If he were a baseball closer, he would be uh, Araldus Chapman. Game seven Ooh. of the World Series. Good reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I and I was telling you earlier, like, this movie really depicts, and like I said, I'm a history nerd, so this movie really depicts the fear that the French had from the Germans because, I mean, they were really ruthless in France. Mm-hmm. Europe, Europe as a whole, really, but... France in particular, they were really brutal to the citizens there. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I have that one as the first nominee. Um, the second one, uh, these scenes are a little tough because essentially this movie is just five long scenes mm-hmm. built together as a movie. So it's like trying to pick apart like smaller scenes out of those. Um, the opening is, what, about a good 20 minutes or so, I think. It's pretty long, yeah. I mean, this movie as a whole is like what two hours and twenty minutes. It's like or two so? hours and twenty minutes, yeah. Um, the second one, uh, I uh, going into that, it's kind of. I originally had this as the introduction of the bastards, where you see them like scalping that uh, that German uh, battalion, but I just narrowed it down to the the highlight of that scene is the introduction of the bear Jew. Oh yeah, you know, when. Uh, <laughs> Aldo is uh, interrogating that officer, and he's basically like, you know, I'm not telling you shit. And then they basically, you hear that, he calls out to Donnie, and you hear that bat tapping. Mm-hmm. And then Eli Roth comes out, does the bear Jew thing where he just beats the, sh- the guy to death with that baseball bat. And then he starts talking in, like, a very comically bad Boston accent. Yeah. <laughs> He goes, Teddy like, Ballgame, hit that out of the fucking yard at Fenway Park. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how we would do a fucking Boston accent. Yeah, exactly. So, Eli, you did good. Um, but, yeah, like that scene was really cool. Um, my third scene is the uh, the strudel scene when uh, uh, Shoshana goes to lunch to meet Goebbels. Mm-hmm. And they're asking her about the movie theater. And then uh, she kind of looks like she's a little scared to be there, but she's, like, staying strong and, like, just, like, come on, I just need to get out of here. And then, like, you hear Hans Landa, like, that that really terrifying music playing in the background. It turns out he's right behind her, and you just see the look of fear in her eyes. And I thought that was really cool because you don't really see her scared from the point she's introduced as an adult until that moment. She's kind of right. like playing like just kind of icy and, you know, real tough. And then like the minute she hears him, she just instantly goes back to when he killed her family under that house. Yeah. Well, I mean, I imagine that's probably how she felt. felt I mean, pretty she's pretty much lived her whole scared. life like that. Uh, you yeah. even kind of notice it a little bit too when she's eating the, it's like she doesn't, almost seems like she doesn't get to do much. It's like, if you notice when she's eating the strudel house, she like, she eats it like, fuck, this is amazing. Like, where's this been all my life? When it's yeah. maybe a couple blocks 
from where she's well, at? Well, she probably also, when he says, get her some milk, she may have thought like, oh shit, he knows exactly who I am. Cause mm-hmm. you know, it was a dairy farm that her family was slaughtered on. Yeah. So. I never really thought about that, but that's a really good point. It's almost kind of like he was fucking with her. Well, I think he yeah. was. Cause I mean, it's almost like he, like he's really good at what he does. So mm-hmm. I almost wonder if he kind of had an inkling that, like he knew who that was, but he wasn't a hundred percent sure. Yeah, it makes you wonder if that was insinuated at all. Yeah, he's just like, I'm just gonna have some fun with this and fuck with you for a while. <laughs> what a dick. Um, the fourth scene that I have is the bar scene, where which is out like is really outstanding. Mm-hmm. That has got some of the best written dialogue that Tarantino's ever done. Like that there's some really good stuff in there, especially the stuff with uh Halstrom and Hickox when they're having their exchanges back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um Dieter Halstrom, that sounds like a very scary Nazi soldier name. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah that's got some really good stuff. Like even like the goofier stuff with like uh they're celebrating uh the birth of Maximilian. Mm-hmm. And then that, that I don't know what that card game is called. So if somebody help me out, send me an email or something. But that card game where you write a, like the name and then you have to guess what's on that person's head. I forget what it's called, but they're playing that cool game. Yeah, you know it's funny. We have that as a board game at my house, but I can't remember what it's called either. Yeah, but, I mean, we don't we don't do actors or anything, but yeah, yeah. And then there's that that pretty grisly shootout where like basically uh Stiglitz and uh, Archie have their revolvers pointed at uh Halstrom's crotch. Yep. And then like everything just goes to the hell in the handbasket. Well they decide to fucking shoot off his nuts and then pretty much everybody dies. Mm-hmm. Um then the last one I have is the uh the premiere of Nation's Pride, that whole the whole scene at the movie theater. It's got a lot of that's pretty much the climax of the movie. You've got uh, uh, Hammersmark bringing Aldo and Donnie and Omar as her Italian uh, escorts. And then, of course, you get the one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is when uh, Hans is trying to get them. He's trying to basically out them as they're not really Italian. And like he wants uh, Aldo to pronounce his last name, and he just goes Gorlami, Gorlami, in the like most hillbilly way possible. <laughs> what? Well, one more time, Gorlami. And then you got Dominic the Coco, and he's like, Omar just nails it. And then uh, I think the I think Donnie is actually the worst of that though, because his is like. He is over the top on that one. Like he's like he watched a movie and like okay, I'm gonna sound just like this. I like how they went with the the stereotypical Italian too, where they like put their fingers together and like shake their hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you've got where uh, you know Hammer's Mark uh, is uh, found out. Like Hans obviously finds out that he finds a woman's shoe at the bar, and then he figures out that it's Bridget's shoe, and mm-hmm. that all happens. Well, I'm just going to spoil it. I mean, you guys have had, like, it came out in 2009, so you've had plenty of time to watch this, where he kills Bridget, and then, like, he captures Aldo, and he tries to set up the deal to where he can basically be the hero, because he knows the war's almost over. Yeah. Yeah. 
Man, that's that's wild. Like, you know, more like more of the history nerdy shit. I believe there were 15 attempts on Adolf Hitler's life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were from his own generals. Um, there was that Tom Cruise movie, which didn't review very well. Uh, Valkyrie. Valkyrie. That's based off of a true story. Mm -hmm. That actually happened. The only thing that protected Hitler was the table. The bomb wasn't close enough to him to kill him. Yeah. Or, you know, history would have been much different then, too. Yeah, one of the few times you see Tom Cruise fail in a movie. Ethan Hunt would have gotten the job done. <laughs> um, so those are my five. Do you have anything you want to add to this? Um, no, I mean, that's, like you said, the movie's pretty much five scenes. Uh, the only other, the only real other part that's kind of separate from the movie scene is the very end where uh, they carve that uh, swastika into um, Aldo um, carves it into Landa's head mm -hmm. because he knows that he's going to get his own little private island and or his private house on Nantucket Island and so yeah uh, he he mentions earlier in the movie that like basically like after this war's over like you're just going to be a nobody so people need to know what you're going to like what you were so yeah everybody's right. going to know that Hans Landa's a Nazi which I thought was fucking awesome yeah, so I I thought that last scene was pretty good too. Okay, well, like, what would you give as the uh, the winner of this award? Uh, I have for two. Me, it, Go ahead. For me, it's the bar scene. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. For me, it's the bar scene. Yeah, I think it's either the bar scene um, or the the opening where you get to meet Hans, because like that's that's Christoph Waltz coming into America saying, "Hey, here I am. Take notice. Give me my Oscar, bitches." Yeah, because like he's like that's the best dialogue he has in the whole movie is the opening stuff. He has that line about the rats, like how mm -hmm. like you don't know why you hate rats, you just do. And, and you know the, like, I wouldn't say this is unfortunate. Well, it's unfortunate because you have to read the captions during the movie to know what's going on. If you take a minute to take your eyes off the captions and actually look, this movie is so well acted. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Like, the emotions on people's faces are just so well done. Yeah, and, like, I've seen this movie countless times. And, like, when uh, he's basically, like, telling La, La Petite that, hey, you know, like, I know you've got people behind here. And you can slowly start seeing him cracking and you start seeing his eyes watering up. And he kind of knows, like... Fuck, it's either I protect my family and give these people up or I keep quiet and then I they die anyways and my family gets killed. Yeah. And it's like you could tell like he really like he struggled with that. Mm -hmm. And I have never seen that guy in anything before, but apparently he was like was doing a little bit of uh uh research on his IMDb. His name's Denis or Denis Minshow. I probably pronounced his name all wrong. So if he happens to listen to this show, I apologize. I didn't do it on purpose. I swear. <laughs> well, we're not we're not exactly French speakers. So yeah, that we're barely English speakers. That's my Gorlami moment. <laughs> Gorlami. Uh, but he was in Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender, which I thought was kind of a kind of a cool, ironic thing. Although that movie fucking sucks. I've never seen it. I I try to avoid video game movies as much as possible because they usually suck. That new Mortal Kombat movie kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, 
Assassin's Creed kind of sucks. So, I, you know, most... And Mortal Kombat Annihilation is fucking awful. So, you know, I try to avoid video game movies. Yeah. You, you gotta... You're you're right. Um, so, what are we, we saying? I'm okay giving it to the bar scene, because that scene's excellent, too. I mean, like I said earlier, like, it's got really great dialogue. Uh, and Michael Fassbender delivers that line right before the shit goes down, where he's talking about, uh, can he, uh, if he's gonna go out, can he speak, uh... Speaking the Kings, I what, the first time I heard that I was like, "Fuck, that line is so badass!" And like, that's one of those lines that a screenwriter waits his whole life to write down. Mm-hmm. I was like, and "Fuck, he, that's so awesome." He says he can't waste the scotch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh, like, it, go ahead. I, sorry, I I was just thinking about this, and I texted you this. Um, we were talking about who brings the heat, which we're gonna get to, but the. <laughs> His uh his superior is Mike Myers. He hams it up so fucking hard and so poorly. Like I laugh the whole time he's on screen. He's like practically laughing at himself when you he's know, doing that. You know what's funny? First off in that scene, uh Winston Churchill's played by uh a big star of the nineteen fifties and sixties, Rod Taylor. Hmm. Um he was in the time machine, he was the male lead in the birds. Like he was a big deal back in the '60s, so yeah, I thought that was a kind of a cool nod to have him in that too. I guess at, sweet. at Tarantino actually personally sure. called him to ask him to play Winston Churchill because I guess he had been retired for a while. Hmm. But yeah, Mike Very Myers, cool. you hadn't seen him in anything in a while, and he seems to just like kind of pop up. You don't really see him or his face anymore. It's like he plays these like little bit characters, and he's like covered in makeup. Because he was the mm-hmm. record producer in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody too, and he's like covered in makeup in this. Yeah, it's just I don't know. His acting was just odd in this. I thought. I mean, I thought he was decent though. I I didn't even. It wasn't until I watched this movie in 4K that I knew it was him. Like every time I've watched it, just like on a standard HD TV, I can't really tell. But then like seeing him in 4K, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely Mike Myers. Yeah, sorry to go off on my little tangent there, but uh, yes, I for me, uh, while I agree with you, the opening scene is excellent. Uh, for me, that bar scene is just, it's so wild, and the dialogue is so good, and the acting is just so good. For me, that's the best scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with giving it to that. I mean, either one uh, is a worthy worthy winner, but yeah, just to give Lucas a W, we'll give it to the uh, the bar scene. I gotta have W's every once in a while. Um, all right, now the King Kong ain't got shit on me award for the best line of the movie. Uh, this one was fucking difficult. I actually, I probably spent more time trying to decide my five contenders for this than I had did anything else in this whole movie. Well, I mean, there's some great lines in this movie. Um, I have my five nominees. Um, the we just talked about it. Well, if this is it, old boy, I hope you don't mind if I go out speaking to Kings. Archie Hickox delivers that line. Yep. That um, was actually really well done, too. Oh, Russ. hey, bravo. A more than mediocre impression. <laughs> um, I got this one. It goes, we ain't in the prisoner taking business. We in the killing Nazi business. And son, business is a booming. Yeah. I love that line. I still use I that. I don't mention prisoner taken or Nazi killing, but I usually will say something about business is booming. 
Um, Hans Landa, when he's uh, near the end, he goes, that's a bingo. When he's like, he goes, is that is that correct? He goes, it's, no, it's just, just bingo. Just bingo. Just bingo. Um, I have Gorlami. Just Gorlami. <laughs> I just have that. Um, I also have... Uh, I seem to be very heavy with Brad Pitt dialogue in this, but I also love Aldo Rain. It's one of my favorite Tarantino characters. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, Each man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps, and I want my scalps. Yeah, because he mentions that he's, uh, what did he say, part... He's on the descendant of the mountain man Jim Bridger. I know he says that. Yeah, he's part like Native American, yeah. of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says he's uh, a, I think he says he's a Apache. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah, because I think that's yeah, that's his nickname is Aldo the Apache. Yep. Um, and then I added one extra just because it's a little bit of foreshadowing about about how most people feel about this movie is like after he carves the swastika and uh, Hans's head, he goes, "I think this just may be my masterpiece." Yep. That's a great line, too. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was really cool because, like, this could be considered Tarantino's masterpiece. I just thought it was a really cool way to, like, yeah, that's how a lot of people think about this, too. Um, so those are my nominees. Uh, do you have anything you want to add? I'm sure you uh, probably do. Tell you, watching Donnie beat Nazis to death is the closest we're ever going to get to the movies. Dude, I that was on my list, and I... <laughs> Did not want to take it off. I love that line so much because he just says it with so much glee. Like he is so excited to watch Donnie just beat the shit out of this guy. And I wanted to keep it in there, but I, I just I couldn't put it in over the ones that I selected. That's a really good one though. I just thought it was wild how they all just stand there and like I know war is horrible, but these guys are just sitting there watching this guy fucking beat another guy to death with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Um Fenway Park on his feet for Teddy fucking ball game. He went Yado on out. <laughs> I, I'm mixing like all kinds of accents. I can't do it, but uh, out to fucking Lansdowne Street. Lansdowne Street, Teddy fucking ball game. Yeah, that that Boston accent's bad. I apologize to my Boston listeners. Uh, we actually are fairly big in Boston. Really? We were, well, let me rephrase that. We were big in Boston. We're not going to be after this episode comes out. Yeah, because yeah, we just uh, butchered the shit out of. We, we did. Well, see, I think to balance it out, just to make the circle complete, I did that apparently that decent uh, Michael Fassbender. So I had to turn around like, that one was good. So I basically had to basically even things out by doing a horrible Boston accent. <laughs> um, and then one more. Um, uh, what a tremendously hostile world that a rat must endure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really it- good line, too. When he's talking about, you know, they don't know why he doesn't know why he hates Jews. He just does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good line. Uh, th- this, like I said, that's really good. Like this movie is extremely well written. And mm-hmm. when I was looking back at, like, because this was nominated for best picture, and I I'm not I don't mean to go off on another tangent, but it's our podcast. Who gives a shit? Yeah, true. Lucas, are you liquored up yet? You're good. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Well, he's still in the air right now. Um, 
But I was looking at some of the nominees, and this is the year that Hurt Locker won Best Picture, and Avatar was nominated as well. And I I really don't remember the Hurt Locker. I liked it. But it's I don't a great really, movie. It is a good movie, but I don't really remember it. And to me, it's not one of those ones that like, I go back like, oh, hey, I'm in the mood to watch The Hurt Locker tonight. Um, and then Avatar, those were like the two movies that seemed to be the only ones that had a shot at winning Best Picture. I am honestly not a fan of Avatar. I think it's kind of a Pocahontas ripoff. What well, is a Pocahontas ripoff? But I think if you strip away the visual effects, it just isn't that great of a movie. I really I like Avatar, but I'm a sucker for big blockbuster movies. So. Oh, I am too. It just I just don't think Avatar is that great. But like I don't understand why this one didn't get at least a little bit more consideration for Best Picture. So what what did win? You said Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker won. You know, it, I I remember Hurt Locker making me feel extremely uneasy just because of like. You know, it was still in the midst of the the war over there, and just thinking about you know people doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that movie making me uncomfortable, but thinking like, man, this is a great fucking movie. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have been mad if Inglorious Bastards would have won it. Well, I have uh, a podcast I listen to. They've made the suggestion is you award the Best Picture nominee five years down the road because you kind of vote in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I know there's movies that I've watched many times where like I really loved it in the moment, and then after I've had a chance to digest it and I've seen it again, it's not as good as I remember it. Well, and, a, a little a little uh, movie like that for me is I really enjoyed episode eight the first time I saw it, and then I watched it again. I'm like, this movie kind of sucks. That for Star kinda, Wars. That's kind of how I was for those last two Star Wars movies, actually. I haven't watched episode nine again since we saw it night one. Yeah, it's it's not great either. But we're we're gonna save the uh, the Star Wars hate for the eventual Star Wars episodes. So well, I noticed that Star Wars shirt you're wearing there. So it's laundry day. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say it's a badass shirt. My bad. I, I think it is kind of cool. It's mm-hmm. got Darth Vader on it. And it it's got Leia. And it's it's kind of cool. cool. Um. But yeah, I mean, going back, like, it, it kind of makes sense to like give the movies time to breathe because I th- I remember Up in the Air, which is a really good Clooney movie, but had no shot at winning. It's not Best Picture of the Year, but I mean, I would honestly like now I would probably give Best Picture to Bastards over Avatar and The Hurt Locker. Yeah, uh, well, like you said, I I remember Inglorious Bastards. I don't. I remember the Hurt Locker, like, but I don't remember, like, with this movie I can name scenes. Mm-hmm. With Hurt Locker, I can't name, like, I know he he he's dismantling bombs, right? And then he, you know, he goes home and he hates his home life, so he gets back into it because he loves the war so much. Mm-hmm. If I remember, I, I don't even know if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. I'm pretty sure. You, see, like, that's the thing. The whole point of the show is we talk about movies that we've watched countless times and if we catch them on TV, we're going to sit and watch at least a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the hurt locker, like I think the chances of us doing a hurt locker episode are maybe when we've been doing this for like 19 years and we've run out of shit to talk about, (laughs) maybe the hurt locker will crack that. I don't know. Maybe we'll just start diving into like after the birds. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, that might be before, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at least that's going to be a... Sh- yeah, that's going to be, like a, sh- like, a fun, shitty movie. But, yeah, I mean, I would... Honestly, I, looking back at it now, I, I think Bastards is the best of those three. And the, the fact that it didn't get any really Oscar love at all outside of the Waltz nominee or the win, it's just kind of like, I don't get it. Well, I I don't know how the Oscars really work anyway, but uh, Tarantino doesn't seem to get as much love as we give him in Hollywood. I think he's kind of, I, I don't want to say anti-Hollywood, but he's not your stereotypical Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So I, I really he think, doesn't get the awards. I really think that since he's talked about making just 10 movies and then that's it, it almost sounds like they're going to pull a uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King on him where they're just going to like, oh, hey, this is his last movie. Let's just give him everything. Hmm. Reward his entire career, which they do all, quite a bit. Well, I think that Return of the King is the best Lord of the Rings. I know that's a discussion for another day, but that's to me, I think that's the best. That's one right. Of the three. Yeah. Unless like Tarantino's doing Lord of the Rings and then like we can talk about it now, but I don't think he did those movies. <laughs> All right, uh, so what are we going to give the award for best uh, best line? The King Kong ain't got shit on me award. Who are we going to give that to? Oh, God. You know what? Why, why don't you pick? Because, you know, there's, there's so many great lines. Although the one that I really remember a lot is uh, we're in the Nazi killing business. Businesses are booming. Let's see. If I were going strictly off of like dialogue written and how it's delivered, I think Fossbender delivering the speaking to King's lines, the winner, the easy winner. Mm-hmm. But I think with like a lot of these, you have to go off of like how memorable the line is. And like, is it something that you've heard quoted quite a bit or whether it was like kind of like had some pop culture significance. And I would say either the, the hundred Nazi scalps or the business is a booming would have to be the winner. Yeah. Well, you know what? Since I use it in some of my day to day talk, I'm just going to give it to the business is a booming. That's going to be the winner. Sounds good to me. All right. Harumph. <laughs> um, now this one was actually a really tough category to narrow down to a few people to the, uh, the Lou Brown, give them the heater. Award for yeah. the uh, most fire performance from a bit player. So, uh, my nominees are Michael Fossbender, because he only appears in like two scenes. Great in everything he's in. Uh, Eli Roth, and then Daniel Bruhl, who plays... Uh, and I can't believe I just fucking forgot who he plays. He plays uh, Zoller. The nation, oh, he's, uh, yeah. Frederick, or Zoller, the, he's the star of Nation's Pride. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty great in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um I personally would give it to Fossbender just because like he really lights up the two scenes that he's in. Mm-hmm. But it's... I mean I I could you can make a case for Daniel Bruhl because like he's really good and like I really I think he's fucking annoying in this, like where he constantly hounds. He's kind of rapey. Yeah, he does give off very rapey vibes. He just can't take no for an answer. And he basically shows his true colors in the uh, projection room of this. And then Eli Roth is actually pretty good in this, too. I mean, he's kind of hamming it up. But 
he's one of those characters that like, I think outside of, uh, Hans and, uh, Aldo, he's like probably the most memorable character of the movie is, uh, the bear Jew. Um, for me, I mean, do you now, have any other nominees before we decide who wins this? Yeah, I'll give you the nominees, but one of yours I agree with is the ultimate winner. But um, I also think Diane Kruger is yeah, very good in this. She's not is, in this for very long. Yeah, she's really good in this too. Yeah, like um, especially the uh, the bar scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way she dies is really fucking violent. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Yeah, just um, get strangled to death. Yeah. Uh, Melanie Laurent as Shosana. I think she's in it a little too much though to give her this award though. Think so? Yeah, because I I I think I told you this a couple days ago. Like, you know, Brad Pitt's the star of the movie, but you told me that he's really not in this a whole lot. He's really he's really not. But I think the story is a primarily about Shoshana. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's basically two plots to kill Hitler, but she seems to be the central point of the the movie. Like, she's the one that like has endured the most from the villain like Hans Landa killed her family. She's the one that suffers yeah. the most. And she kind of goes on this. She's like, has a mission in life that she needs to take out as many as she can. And dude, let's talk about the fucking, you know, when the theater's burning down and the projectors like projecting on the smoke mm-hmm. and it's like real creepy and she's laughing. That's a crazy ass scene too. That is actually now that when, after I'd seen that for a little while afterward, I just, it was like every time I'd go into an auditorium, I would look for the fire exits. <laughs> <laughs> always, hey, that's always a good idea. Yeah, I, I did that. I was like, I don't think anybody's going to like, there's not anybody in this theater that like somebody wants to kill, but just in case, I need to know where I need to go. <laughs> um, I got two more for you. Um, uh, Till Schwager. Oh, yeah. Hugo Stiglitz is really good, too. I love that character. He is. Uh, and then... Um, Sylvester Groff, uh, Joseph Goebbels. Oh, yeah. Goebbels. Goebbels, not Goebbels. Joseph Goebbels. Um, he, he has that really, he really good. He has that, like, that weird scene where, like, they just, for some reason, they have to cut to that scene where he's banging his assistant, and then it just, like, <laughs> real quick. I don't know why. Like, it just disturbs me a little bit. Well, that's, that's kind of a Tarantino thing, too. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, like Till Schweiger's really good. Like he's like he has the the fucking rock. He's the rock star of this movie because mm-hmm. like he even gets the guitar riff. Samuel Jackson narrates his story. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. And I thought it was it was nice. Well, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson pretty much has a role in everything that um, every one of these type of movies. So, uh, did you know that the voice on the radio when Hans is making the deal? With the Americans, and then uh, they put Aldo on the phone. That's Harvey Keitel. I did not. Yeah, it's Harvey huh. Keitel on the other line. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Another. Tarantino so those are my regular. nominees. Sorry, I, I've been interrupting you all night. So those are my nominees. Um, but for me, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I think I give it to Fassbender just because like he's electric in this, and I didn't really know who he was. I mean, I'd heard of him doing a movie. Um, called Hunger with Steve McQueen. Uh, I th- think that came out before this. But, like, since then, of course, he's, like, been kind of 
He made it's the X Magneto. Yeah, he made the X Men movies. He's made some shit too. I think he needs to hire a better agent because I I fucking love Michael Fassbender. He's probably one of my favorite actors going today, but he's he's done some crap lately, and I really want to see him rebound. And this is like this is my introduction to him too. So I'm going to give it to Fassbender. Yep, I agree with you. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to ask you. This is the final final nominee for this movie who wins this movie uh i'm gonna go with christoph waltz christoph waltz okay uh why do you give it to christoph waltz because i just think that he's just i mean he won an oscar for it so obviously he's very outstanding in it but the way he is so cold and calculated in the way that he delivers all of his lines Mm -hmm. and you know his job is literally to hunt down people and execute them because they're jewish Uh you know and just the way that he goes about that is kind of what i would imagine that an insane person would be like and you know he fucking what one thing that killed me about this was he he killed uh von hammersmark you know for being a traitor Mm -hmm. but he himself was a fucking traitor yeah that's kind of like that's kind of the like what uh I guess for lack of a better that's kind of the ironic part of all that is like yeah. he killed her for doing the same thing he eventually does too. Right, which I thought was kind of I think he just likes to kill people, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um I had a feeling though that he kinda was looking for a way to save his ass and that's this was it. Like, okay, I have I think he was waiting to capture Aldo Rain mm-hmm. so he could like use him as leverage. And, like, that mm-hmm. was his plan. Like, if I can catch him, then I can negotiate my my out. Because, I mean, Hitler even alludes to it in the movie that, like, shit's getting ready to hit the fan. Like, this is almost over for us. So let's show this movie is kind of like a way to, like, energize the base. Well, and throwing back to real history, um, before Hitler killed himself, the several days that he was in the bunker during the Battle of Berlin, he knew eventually that, you know, at, over those several weeks, he kind of figured out that it was over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, it, I mean, it kind of makes sense in that in that sort of sense, too. Yeah. But, yeah, um, Christoph Waltz. I mean, I would have said Brad Pitt, which I believe you're probably going to say. Uh, not to give away your pick. Maybe, but, maybe not. Um, but I just think Christoph Waltz in the way that he is just so cold and calculating and it's for me what I imagine somebody in that role would do if they were sent out on a mission to essentially just hunt down and murder people. Right. Um, for me, I consider Christoph Waltz cause I think he's great in this. Although like, I kind of said that like he kind of plays the, the one note, like kind of the ham, but he, it works well in the Tarantino universe. Mm-hmm. I thought about him. Uh, I gave strong consideration to Brad Pitt because um, in the wrong hands, Aldo may have not worked. Um, a lot of people Very describe true. a lot of people describe Brad Pitt as a character actor in a leading man's body, which essentially a character actor is the guy. It's like, well, he's not exactly the greatest looking guy, but he can act. So we're just gonna like, you know, he's gonna play the role of like. Uh, like a drug addict that's going to be like his counselor. Like, he can act, 
but you're not paying to see him. But like Brad Pitt is kind of like that, except he's got the matinee idol looks. Uh, I think he's fantastic in this. He he crafted one of the my favorite character. He's actually done two of my favorite characters in the Tarantino universe. I love Cliff Booth too. I love that character too. <laughs> um, however, I am actually going to award this to Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Uh, reason being is uh, he had done Kill Bill. I think Kill Bill 2 came out in 2003. 2002, wow. 2003 is when Kill Bill. Uh-huh. Um, but really, he hadn't done much after that. He, I know he directed an episode of CSI. Then he did Death Proof, which I actually enjoyed. It's not my favorite Tarantino movie, but a lot of people didn't think that movie was that great. And then Grindhouse, of course, was a massive failure. Which I I think you and I both kind of liked Grindhouse. I love Grindhouse. I love the concept. I love that they did the fake trailers. I love mm-hmm. that they did it like as a double feature. I love the they were inspired by the movies that inspired like it was just like a homage to the movies that inspired them. Like Rodriguez did the uh, Planet Terror, which was kind of like the the gross out sci fi horror movie, and then. Uh, Quentin did the the stalker road movie, but neither one of them like were considered critical or financial successes. Um, and I know even for a while I was wondering if Tarantino was ever going to like rebound or f- whether he was done because I love the Kill Bill movies, but I wouldn't rank them as like my favorites of his. But then he comes back with this, which a lot of people consider to be like his best movie. And like I've said at the beginning, it's like it's this or Pulp Fiction. Um, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised because I know how much you love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, I was, that's I was not getting, higher up on your list. Oh, it it is, but then it kicks off like this whole second run for him. Like he rattled off, he did Bastards and he did Django, which I really like. Django is one of my favorite. Fantastic ter- movie. Yeah, it's 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 a tough watch, but I oh, still think it's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, then he did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, he did The Hateful Eight, which I think was a, a slight misstep. It's good, but not great. But I've then, never seen it. Um, if you get a chance to watch it, I think it's still on Netflix, but they took it. They added more scenes, and instead of it being one long movie, they divided it up into four little episodes. That's interesting. That's how That's how I watched it. Huh. Um, but yeah, it, it just kicks off this renaissance, like this rebirth for him. Like he, since bastards, he did like probably three of his better movies in his catalog, in my opinion, with the exception of the hateful eight. So like, I would give it to him for that. Well, I, I rank kill bill volume one very highly. It's one of my favorite movies. I like one better than two, but I also, I agree. I don't think they should like, I know why they did it because financially doing it separately, they would have made more money. And, but I think they should have done kill bills. Just one long movie. I think if you watch them back to back, it's a much better film than when it's Mm -hmm. split apart. Yeah. And maybe I need to, at some point to watch them like that. Maybe I can appreciate two more. No, I agree with you. I think that one is not just better. It's miles better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And like when they did it, they almost released them like a year apart. So that made it even more difficult. Like, okay, like I can't watch like one and then like two comes out like in a few months. Like I have to wait damn near a year for it. Yeah. So, but I give it to Tarantino just because like it seemed like this re-energized him. And now he's, I don't think he's doing anything at the moment, but like he's done some really good stuff since this too. So that's why I give him the award. Is he in this movie? I know a lot of times he appears in his own movies. No, he actually is not. Um, He's not in, I don't think he's in Once Upon a, no, I think his voice is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but he's not. Hmm. But I, as far as I know, he's not in Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that because I know he likes to appear in a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's not in this one, but um, well, that's about gonna wrap this one up. Uh, Luke, you got any final thoughts on Inglorious Bastards? No. Um, kind of wish that history would have went this way. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know, Hitler being killed this way because he was a piece of shit. But mm-hmm. um. I'm really glad we did this because I got to nerd out with my history stuff a little bit. And I'm thank you for letting me nerd out with my history stuff. Cause I really, I really enjoy history. World war two history is very fascinating to me. Well, so. I mean, I went too because I Quentin Tarantino is one of my five favorite directors of all time. So like I, it's a chance to finally do a Tarantino movie, which like when we, I thought of doing this with you, like I kind of wanted to do one much sooner than now, but and of course, like shit happened. Like we're saving one for when we can all record together in the same room, which mm-hmm. you pretty much guess what that one's gonna be. But yeah, um, yeah. Like I was really looking forward to doing a Tarantino movie. I mean, I was a little bummed out that this one didn't win that poll question, but we still got to do it anyways because it's our show and we we do what we want. That's right. Um. Before we go, uh, this is going to be the last episode that we release on a biweekly basis. Um, if you guys uh, don't follow us on social media, starting on June the 7th, we are going to a weekly release format. So you will start getting episodes every Monday starting on June 7th. And Lucas, do you want to tell everybody what we're doing on June the 7th to kick things off? Um, that is our Raiders episode. Yes, uh, to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, we're going to be doing that one on June the 7th. So, Yay! pretty Woo-hoo! excited about that. One of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, I don't know. I may or may not have a boner during that episode. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be very sad if you didn't. Um, but then, uh, you guys voted for uh. Another supersized watch-along episode. We're doing Clueless here uh, a few weeks afterward. So uh, we're going to have a special guest or two. You know, I'm thinking we may, I may try to figure something out to where we can broadcast that live too. Okay. As we do it. So. Okay. Uh, Follow us on our social media page if you want to be a part of that. Uh, Lucas will hammer out the details uh, because honestly, I have no idea what I would be doing with that. (laughs) Uh, I would imagine like, oh, we're just going to shoot this on our iPhones or something, but Lucas has got a better idea. Now, I am going to forewarn you, I may not be on the Raiders episode because my son is due very, very soon. So, uh, you may, it may be you and a few guests without me on that episode. Um, so yeah, uh, 
That's right. Uh, I don't know if we've really mentioned it too much, but yeah, Lucas is about to be a dad, so uh, he may be, may be off and on for a few weeks. But uh, I'm gonna do my best to be on here though, because I love I love doing this. I love talking to you. I love the fact that we have people in Brazil that email us and listen to our episodes, and we appreciate all of you guys for listening to us. Yeah, we do. I'm very appreciative of that as well. But yeah, uh, if you can't, we've got. I'm pretty sure I can round up the rogues gallery. Maybe I'll bring somebody new in. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, follow us on social media, uh, the Couch Potato Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. You can shoot us an email at couchpotatopodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I promise and, I'm going to get that TikTok going. I promise. Okay, yeah. Lucas is going to be doing a TikTok sometime by the end of the year. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if you listen to us on Apple, uh, we really appreciate it if you can leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, five stars if we're doing awesome. Uh, if we're not doing five stars... Worthy of work. Uh, you don't have to leave us a review. I'd probably prefer it that way. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, please uh, help like engage with us on social media. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, we love talking about movies and stuff. So, yeah, just hit us up. Uh, so, until June the 7th for our Raiders episode, uh, we will catch you guys later. Deuces. Yeah.